hey, 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 hey. hey. Smoke weed every day. <laughs> nice. What'd you do, brother? Uh, mostly just get really depressed today. <laughs> so I came here early, like, hoping something good would happen, and really nothing good happened. Oh, I saw this... I don't know, there's some strange woman, I think, who follows me around bouncing a ball. <laughs> I don't know if it's a woman, but somebody follows me around bouncing a ball all the time. Because, like, when I was in the old... Like, when I was in the place in Marina Del Rey, it sounded like I heard someone bouncing a ball, and then when I was in, uh... At, uh... Bird's house, it sounded like I heard someone bouncing a ball, and now here I'm hearing somebody bouncing a ball. So I don't know, it's weird. And then my phone, like I got some kind of text that I can't read for some reason. When I go to notifications, it doesn't appear on notifications, and I'm not sure how to get my phone to help me figure out who just called me. So I don't know if you tried to call me early, like about five minutes ago, or who, who tried to call me. Not mm, me. I was just okay, waiting on you. I don't know what's going on with my phone. It's like somebody's trying to keep me from getting certain calls or something. It's really weird. So that's weird. But today just, was just a really depressing day. Nothing good really happening. And just a lot of frustration. Yeah. Trying to get to this McDonald's and the, the one street. It's like not as easy to cross as it used to be. Like there used to have a light that made more noise when it was time to cross the street. And it doesn't now. And. And I crossed to the wrong side of the street. Now they got some hospital near where I used to live that wasn't there before, like an urgent care center or something. And a chain that once you get your your uh, luggage bag through, it's hard to get it out of this chain. That was frustrating. But just a day of a bunch of frustrations, frustrating bullshit today. And uh, I'm all hot and semi-tired, but trying to do the podcast. So. I appreciate your soldier mentality. I'm a stupid, retarded soldier. Soldier who should be figuring out how to kill myself by now. But okay. Yeah, basically, what I did today was... I got up early and uh, caught a cab to the office... To do my, yeah, like uh, the rehab's office. Oh, they have like an office that's so far away you got to take a cab to. Yeah. Damn, they got a lot of land. <laughs> yeah, well, like education people are, are raking in are, are raking in bank. <laughs> yeah, so it's actually a little office in an office complex. Uh, there's like an all state uh an all state office next to it and shit. It's all very uh, legit. Uh, and then the owner of the rehab, like he uh drove me around and bought me breakfast while we were listening to the controversy over Stephen A. Smith. With Stephanie Smith. Uh, he's like an ESPN announcer. Now, what happened with him? What's so controversial? 
he said that this Asian baseball player can't be the face of baseball because he doesn't speak English. Okay, well, you know, a bunch of people, a bunch of Asians are going to tell him it's racist. And, uh, okay, you know, you don't really want to be, I don't know, it's like you don't want to let out your, your, uh, your, uh, I don't know, you don't want to let out your, uh, uh, bias. Yeah, you don't want to let out your bias nowadays in this, in, I don't know, in this, in this lame, I mean, either way, I mean, I get, I understand why they're mad at him, so I understand why they probably want to get him fired or whatever, but, uh, I also know it's like this huge thing that every little thing you say is going to get you fucked with nowadays, and it's, it's kind of, uh, I'm not sure, like, what way to look at it nowadays, you know, it's like how much of it is self-righteousness and how much of it is something for real, and maybe in there there was something for real, but it's just hard to... It's hard to tell, you know, like, some of it's for real, like, some of the political rec- correctness makes sense, and some of it's just really self-righteous, and it's kind of hard for me to tell where you draw the line in all this shit, you know? Like, at what point is it, does it make sense because you don't want people to get fucked with, and at what point is it just being self-righteous, you know? It's kind of hard to tell where that line is, you know? Yeah, but I think he's right. Like, the audience of baseball, they were talking about it, is mostly, you know, old-ass white people from, like, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So, basically, like, it's going to be hard to cross over to that audience if you're not speaking English. Like, uh, I saw the same thing happen to... Uh, Anderson Silva in MMA. Like, he didn't start speaking English until way late in his career. And then by the time he started, you know, getting more notoriety and, you know, like, they're not going to interview you with an interpreter on Conan O'Brien and shit, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is where it gets confusing. Because, okay, if that much of the baseball audience is that old... Which, okay, I'm in my 50s, so, okay. Uh, you know, so now I guess I got to relate to myself being considered old, which it's hard for me to see myself that way. But, I mean, I also know that, okay, I'm, like, dying out, and I see myself becoming, like, I really just can't stand the world around me right now, you know? Like, I really feel like an alien in, in this, what to me seems like a really bad future that I don't want to live in, you know? <laughs> So it's, uh, but I don't know, like, if, is baseball really that much dying out that the only people that care about it are really old people that are, like, the audience is dying and pretty soon nobody's going to give a shit about baseball anymore? You know, I don't know. They said that the younger audience, they're having trouble getting over to them. Well, it's because everybody wants the, the speed of basketball and football, you know? Like, baseball is a slow sport, so a lot of people don't want to get into a slow sport. Yeah, and, like, uh, like Anderson Silva, like, he missed out on a lot of movie opportunities. Like, the only... I only saw him in one MMA movie where he didn't speak any... Like, he didn't speak at all. He was just a fighter in the movie and stuff. Mm. 
And, you know, like, that can hurt you, especially in the American market. Mm. Okay. You know, I think Anderson Silva's the greatest of all time, but, in MMA, but, you know, like, you got John Jones, who's being called the greatest of all time now, which, it's respectable. It's more respectable than the, the LeBron James and Michael Jordan argument, in my opinion. Okay, so you're saying, like, if you want to make it in an American sport, you should be able to speak English in an interview if you really want to be the face of the sport. Yeah, because the UFC is based in America. It does have an international audience, but most of the people around the world, they go out of their way to learn English. They don't go out of their way to learn Portuguese or, you know, something else. Mm Mm-hmm. And most of the fighter, like, interviews and, you know, most of the interviews you see with, like, a lot of sports people, you know, the most successful people I've seen are the people who can speak for themselves in English. Like, now in the UFC, it's like, it's an unspoken rule that people that don't speak English, like, they learn English. Okay. So, like, now, like, they might have an interpreter help them out when they don't understand something, but they usually spend most of the interview speaking in English. And then, you know, if, like, a a news outlet from their country, you know, wants to speak to them in their language, they do. But, like, they spend most of their time speaking in English, and that's what's helped a lot of these uh, foreign people, especially in MMA that I've noticed. Okay, so you're saying if you want to be the face of the sport, it would be like the old... There was a band called S.O.D. And they had like three different uh, initials for their, their uh, band back in the 80s. You know, one was Stormtroopers of Death, and then there was Slam or Die, and then the other one was Speak English or Die. <laughs> and uh, it was like... Uh, so maybe they're saying if you want to be re- the face of the sport, then... Speak English or you'll die in the sport. I don't know. But then that could be considered really fucked up and really uh, considered racist. So, But I see your way of looking at it. So, okay, yeah, is it racist or is it just like this is – if you're trying to get an American audience, you should be trying to speak the language So if you want to be the face of the sport. So I don't – you know, it's, it's – yeah, I see both, both of it. Yeah, and like uh, what I found was interesting is that they say he speaks English – but he doesn't speak English in public. Okay. Okay, so I don't know. Maybe he won't be able to be the face of the sport, but uh, who knows? And it's, it's, I don't know, like, you know, is it racist to say that or is it not racist? Uh, I don't know. Like, I guess anybody that has a comment, what's what's the thing? Panther at what? Panther57481 at AOL.com. So if you have a comment, you know, if you think it's racist and you want to argue against what uh, Aaron is saying, then argue your, your point at that uh, email address. Yeah, I actually put the uh, email in the description for the podcast, so okay. if anybody looks it up, they'll be able to find it. Okay. So what are we doing right now? Uh, 
We will be going to NPR. Okay. But uh, welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. And I'm Kyle Chaos. And, of course, this uh, podcast is brought to you by the uh, Crack Merchants of America. Crack. It feels so good. It'll make you jizz in your pants. (laughs) That you'll suck dick to get some more. And what they won't do... Crack. These are the facts. Okay, so where are we? Uh, their town is gone, and they say the power company is why little remains but ash. Okay, yeah, let's go into this article. Residents of Gates, Oregon, aim their ire at Pacific Power nearly a year after their town burned. Okay, so so is the town called Ash, Oregon? Uh, Gates, Oregon. Okay, Gates, Oregon. So, yeah, yeah, so what does the article say? 911, what is your emergency? We need helping. 911, what is your emergency? We need help in Gates, a caller screams in a 911 recording. There's a fire coming up in the neighborhood. It's huge. Mm-hmm. On the night of September 7, 2020, calls like they calls like this were streaming into 911 dispatchers or 911 dispatchers. And overwhelming local firefighting capabilities when John Martin spoke up, stepped outside his house, and saw absolute chaos surrounding him. Mm. So what else does the article say? People called in to 911 that night to report fires on electrical poles near their homes. Fires in fields and fires on the side of the highway were where they were trying to evacuate, but were stopped by downed trees and power lines. They also reported various electrical explosions, flashes, and arching around power lines. Martin and his neighbors in Gates never received an evacuation notice, perhaps because the nearest known wildfire the Beachy Creek fire was still more than 10 miles away when the first reports came in of power lines igniting fires in town. Oh, shit. So the town went on fire and nobody had enough time to warn anybody. Yeah. Okay. The first explanation of what happened in Gates was that the Beachy Creek fire Creek wildfire spread quickly in historic 50 to 75 mile per hour winds and burned through the town. 
but another theory has emerged to explain how Gates and neighboring towns caught fire that night, and it's shared by more than 100 people like Martin who have joined class action lawsuits against the electric utility Pacific Power and its parent company, Pacific Corp. Okay. The lawsuits argue that the fires overran their homes, schools, businesses, and lives were ignited by the company's electrified power lines well before the Beachy Creek Fire reached town. Mm-hmm. The plaintiffs say Pacific Power knew in advance that a historic windstorm could blow trees into power lines and start fires, and it could have prevented the losses by shutting off power in Santiam Canyon communities. And isn't beachy a, a Spanish word for shit? I don't know. Neither do I. <laughs> Pacific Power declined to comment on what happened last year, citing the pending litigation. Though core records show the company has denied many of the allegations. The fires are still under investigation, so there's a limited amount of conclusive information available about how smaller power line ignitions affected the spread of the larger Beachy Creek wildfire that eventually moved through Santiam Canyon. Mm-hmm. OPB reviewed 911 calls and dispatch logs from that night. Interviews with eyewitnesses and public documents, they reveal evidence supporting the argument that power lines played a significant role in spreading fire throughout gates and made it far more difficult for firefighters to defend the town against the advancing Beachy Creek wildfire. Okay. That's the end of the article. Okay, well, that's, uh, some people got really screwed over in that fire. I bet somebody's going to be... Uh... Getting some heavy lawsuits, maybe the electric companies even, which is scary because this is their justification for making rolling blackouts happen. And I think uh, they don't really need to do that. That's just them like holding it over everybody's heads. Well, if you guys sue us, if, if a fire happens, then we're going to cut your power off. You know. Honestly, that seems like a no-brainer decision. What seems like a no-brainer decision? To turn off the power lines. I don't know. I mean, I think they're really doing it to, to because everybody sued them in the last wildfires. It's like, you know, you're, you're going to give us problems. You're going to take us to court. Then we're going to make sure that you don't have any power. I really think it's like one of those lame business moves to try and hold it over everybody's head you better not sue us this time because now we can cut your power off yeah I think that that would be a bitch if they started that policy no, I mean, they already have. They're saying this is what they're going to do this summer. It's like everybody's worried, like, if you don't, you know, if, if you're not, like, keeping your air conditioning off when it's the hottest time of the year, we're just going to start cutting off power in all these different parts of the city. And it's like, 
damn, like you're really trying to, to go after everybody that, that uh, took you to court last time this way and like hold everybody's power on, on uh, you know, hostage and shit. At least 600 tons of dead fish have washed up along Tampa Bay's shore. Oh, from this Mexico oil spill? Is that what it's about? Let me read. For... For beachgoers in Tampa Bay area... The last few weeks have been anything but normal. Discolored, soupy waters have been lapping the shore, and the beaches are laden with dead, rotting sea life. Damn. This is the bad thing about these oil companies. Who's going to have to do the cleanup now? Well, nah, it's uh, due to the hordes of fish were killed by red tide. A large bloom of toxic algae that appears on Florida's Gulf Coast about once a year. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. But that's still scary, all those dead fish. But I guess that's a natural thing? I don't know. Yeah, it's natural. Okay, what else did the article say? Uh, exposure to blooms can cause respiratory irritation in humans. To fish and other sea animals, they can be deadly. But Burke, who serves as the assistant director of the Tampa Bay Estuary Program and ocean scientists agree, a bloom of this intensity shouldn't be happening in Tampa Bay right now. Okay, so what do they think's making it happen then? But okay, what else the article say? The fish have been washing up on the bay's shore since early June, floating in from massive clumps out at sea, where they first collected at the site of blooms, called fish kills, possibly because of strong winds created by the tropical storm Elsa. Fish have been okay. piling on shores in much larger and smellier quantities. The worst of it is being seen now in nearby St. Petersburg. Damn. Sounds like the line from uh, Sympathy for the Devil. Stick around St. Petersburg When I thought it was the time for a change Made the fish all make a nasty stench All the citizens screamed in vain You can smell the rancid fish. It's a really stinky Florida Bay. You don't step too close to the water, or you might just fade away. Right on. Okay. Cornell West has announced he's leaving Harvard and says the school has lost its way. 
original path was, but okay, let's go into this article. Cornell West, one of the nation's foremost black scholars and an outspoken progressive activist, has announced his resignation from Harvard University, accusing the school of intellectual and spiritual bankruptcy of deep deaths. Okay. So what else does the article say? Because I'm trying to figure out what that means. West, who earlier this year said he was giving up his drive for tenure at Harvard Divinity School to rejoin the faculty at Union Theological Seminary, posted what he called my candid letter of resignation to Twitter late Monday. Mm-hmm. What else does the article say? In it, he writes what the disarray of scattered curriculum the disenchantment of talented yet differential faculty and the disorientation of precious students loom large. So what else does the article say? Uh, the 68-year-old scholar suggests in the letter that politics were a factor in Harvard's decision not to extend tenure to him, citing his outspoken support of palace of the Palestinian cause. Wait, say that again. They aren't offering him work because he supports Palestine. Okay, well, that's uh, pretty screwed up. So it means either you go along with the pro-Israel lobby or we won't let you have a teaching as many teaching jobs. That's kind of screwed up. I mean, I don't know if that has anything do, to do with morality or not, but it does have to do with uh, where the money is probably coming from the school. Yeah, he says, we all knew the mendacious reasons given had nothing to do with academic standards. I knew my academic achievements and student teaching meant far less than their political prejudices. Yeah, but it's more than political prejudice. If If they're not letting you get teaching jobs because of your political stance, it probably has more to do with that they're getting money from the company's that have land uh, and offices in Israel. But what else does the article say? The battle over tenure echoes the recent fight involved involving another high-profile black scholar. Nicole Hannah-Jones, who was originally denied tenure at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. University of North Carolina later decided to grant Hannah-Jones the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist behind the New York Times 1619 Project, a position at the journalism school with tenure, but she declined and is now joining the faculty at Howard University. 
I'm trying. What just happened with this part of the story? Because I'm confused. They were just bringing up another like instance of political. Wait, I can't hear you. Talk, talk closer to the. They were just bringing up another example of a uh, political, you know, discrimination. Okay, like what was she? What did she get denied because she held which viewpoint? Uh, it doesn't say. Okay, read the sentence again because I'm trying to understand what this means. The battle over tenure echoes the recent fight involving another high-profile black scholar, Nicole Hannah-Jones, who was originally denied tenure at the University of Carolina at Chapel Hill. UNC later decided to grant Hannah-Jones the Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist behind the New York Times 1619 Project a position at the journalism school with tenure, but she declined and is now joining the faculty at Howard University. Okay, so it sounds like this isn't just at Harvard, though. So this is like a bunch of schools are, a bunch of people are having problems at schools and are being denied positions. But okay, this woman, they didn't explain why she was denied a position. But they're just saying since they wouldn't give her tenure at Chapel Hill, she went to a different, uh, more a black college instead of uh, trying to get. I mean, I don't know if Chapel Hill's like more considered a college run by white people or not. They're not really explaining, you know, like what is it about Chapel Hill versus our black college? I don't know what kind of college Chapel Hill is. Me either. But okay, well, uh, I'm, I'm still kind of confused, but let's go to the next part of the article. That's the end of the article. Okay, this article confuses the shit out of me then. Because it's just such a people explaining why they're getting denied positions. So it kind of makes the article confusing, and I really don't know what this article is. Say that again. I'm not sure what the article's about. They don't really explain. Like, if they would have explained why this woman didn't get tenure and what the difference is between Chapel Hill and Howard University where she's going, it would have made sense. But it's kind of a disjointed article to me, and I'm not really sure what it's about. They're just not explaining themselves very good in this article. So I'm, I'm very confused on what I just read. Well, I think they explained themselves when it came to the black guy, but they didn't explain themselves when it comes to the black chick. Yeah, no, that's what I mean. When they d- didn't explain themselves about the woman who got denied tenure at uh, Chapel Hill, that made the article more confusing, and I'm still not sure what the article was about after reading it. Uh, I found another article about her. Trustees of the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill voted Wednesday afternoon at a closed session 
to give tenure to star New York Times writer Nicole Hannah-Jones several months after refusing to consider her proposed tenure. The case inspired a bruising debate over race, journalism, and academic freedom. It led both to national headlines and anger and distress among many black faculty members and students at UNC. Okay. Some professors there have publicly said they were reconsidering their willingness to remain at the university over the journalist treatment. Okay. What else did the article say? You there? Yeah, he also said, Davis said, he also said the campus was not a place for calling people woke or racist. The trustees, he said, had to endure terrible insults but could not respond for privacy reasons involving the decision. Okay. So it's like all these people are being denied positions, but they're not willing to explain why they're being denied or they're afraid to respond because they're afraid of what somebody's going to say about him. And I'm I'm still very confused on this issue. Like, why are they denying these people tenure? And why are they, you know, like, why aren't they explaining why they're denying these people's tenure? You know, it's like... Very confusing to me, but maybe that means I'm a lame white dude who is really stupid. <laughs> Hannah Jones issued a statement Wednesday evening through the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational, Educational Fund, thanking her supporters, some of whom she said put themselves at physical risk. Wait, I can't risk. hear you. What were you just saying? Uh, Hannah Jones issued a statement Wednesday evening through the NAACP Legal Defense and Educational Fund, thanking her supporters, some of whom she said put themselves at physical risk. Protesters had demonstrated Wednesday afternoon at the Carolina Inn where the meeting was held and were confronted inside before it started by campus police. They relented heading outside after being informed that Hannah Jones had asked for a private meeting. Okay. But still, why why are they, like, why did they think she got fired? Why did they think she didn't get tenure at first? This fight is about ensuring the journalistic and academic freedom of black writers, researchers, teachers, and students. We must ensure that our work is protected and able to proceed free from the risk of repercussions, and we are not there yet. Okay, but what did she write that made them give her bad repercussions? But okay, what does the article say? Some of that opposition came from Walter Hoosman, 
or Hussman, a UNC donor and Arkansas's newspaper publisher whose name adorns UNC's journalism school. Hussman, who is also an alumnus, told NPR he was given pause by some of some prominent scholars, scholars' criticism that Anna Jones distorted the historical record in arguing that the protection of slavery was one of the founding fathers' primary motivations in seeking independence from the British, which I think that's yeah. reaching. Yeah, no, I think that's kind of reaching, too. Uh, okay, that's uh, a weird position, but she should still shouldn't be fired for saying that if, she, if that's really what she believes. Yeah, I agree. So, so okay, so this is about if a, a professor says something controversial, then they aren't allowed to get tenure. Or they aren't getting, in, in the case of the dude at, at uh, Cornell West, or, or in, case, in the case of Cornell West from Harvard, he was denied teaching jobs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's screwed up. You shouldn't get fired because you teach something controversial. And you shouldn't be denied tenure because you teach some, you know, you shouldn't be denied teaching jobs or tenure because you teach something controversial. I don't know. You could play devil's advocate and say that they have a right to determine what's taught at their school. You could, but okay. Okay. Now if, okay, what does, what does Lucifer want when it comes to the teaching of schools? Like what is going to help Lucifer, you know, what, what is going to help the triumph of evil over good in this country? You know, like what can a teacher teach or promote that would help the triumph of evil over good in this country? You know, like, would teaching, you know, like, okay, maybe, I, okay, let me think this through for a minute, okay. For example, maybe we should be doing whatever we can to help the Palestinians wipe Israel off the map since they are the chosen country of the being who wants to torture us in a lake of fire uh, because we're not sorry for whatever we've done that's felt good to us that does harm to others. So, you know, if Israel is this being's chosen country, then we should be helping the Palestinians to wipe Israel off the map. So that, uh, you know, because it is the chosen, you know, we need to help wipe the chosen country of the being who wants to torture us in a lake of fire because we're not sorry for anything we've done that feels good to us that does harm to others. So we should, you know, as far as playing devil's advocate, we should be advocating that this dude doesn't get fired for not supporting Israel, or that Cornell West doesn't get fired for not supporting Israel. Yeah, but eventually they backed down and said they'd give them tenure, though. Okay. No, that was they backed down on the other woman. They said they'd give her tenure. They didn't back down with this dude. They still wouldn't give him teaching jobs. He, he had to quit Harvard. But okay, in this other case... Then you think, okay, Lucifer would want 
let me think. I, I think in this other case, Lucifer would probably want, uh, I don't know. What was, I'm, I'm trying to think what Lucifer would want in this case. Because, okay, here's a woman who's uh, being denied tenure because she's teaching, because she thinks that uh, the reason why our country fought against the British was to preserve slavery. Okay. So I don't know. If, if in this case, Lucifer's position is to encourage white supremacists to implement Hitler's final solution. What would help in this issue to encourage the white supremacists to implement Hitler's final solution? Um, I don't know. It's like, would they want to fire anybody who teaches any, but I mean, really like slavery isn't popular anymore. So like, I don't know if Lucifer would have a position on this because you know, like at this point, Lucifer's game is to just, would be, you think, to help anybody that would have a uh, a white supremacist position to not get fired. So, I mean, I don't think Lucifer would have a position on somebody that teaches the opposite of that. So, I don't know. I don't know. What do you think? Because I'm, you know, I'm trying to figure this out. And you know, if we're playing the devil's advocate, what would the devil advocate when it comes to this issue with this uh, woman who taught that that uh, the revolution against the British was of the Americans against the British was fought to protect slavery? W would Lucifer have a position on it? Uh, you know, if you were being Lucifer's advocate, or if you were being the devil's advocate. Mm, I would say he'd be supporting uh, the school because like a lot of the founding fathers are theorized to be Satanists because they were Freemasons. Okay. Okay, that makes sense then. Okay, so you're doing a better job at being uh, uh, Lucifer's advocate than I am right now because sometimes, you know, like... Sometimes I'm not sure what it means to be Lucifer's advocate, and, uh, you know, I'm not the best. You know, other Luciferians can tell me where I'm blowing it as far as trying to advocate for Lucifer's position. Yeah, a lot of the founding fathers, when you read their memoirs, they said that they were against slavery, but then they still kept it around. Okay. 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 So I don't know. Should we go to the next article? Yeah. Okay. Five takeaways from the 2021 Emmy nominations. Okay. I mean, is there anything to take away from that? I mean, usually whoever wins an Emmy award is usually somebody boring. So I don't I never paid much attention to the Emmys because they always like most of the time gave the awards to really boring shows. There were shows that I didn't relate to, like when I stopped relating to most of what was on TV when I was 15. 
And they're just giving critiques, like saying, why was the Karate Kid, uh, well, the Cobra Kai show. They're kicking me out of here. Just a minute. I got to move somewhere else where it's, I don't know. I guess, I don't know where I can go. Uh, They're trying not to let me go where I can be quiet enough to do this podcast without being dicks to me. Who's kicking you out? Yeah, shit. Fuck. I don't have a right to stay in here. God damn. Okay, let me... Uh, let me put you on hold for a little bit. I gotta try to concentrate. I mean, it's... Try to stay in somebody somewhere else. That's, what the fuck's my phone doing? Let me see if I can get to the other line. Because uh, it's doing something.
Kyle Chaos, what is up? See, it's the podcast we can do. How would Yoda word that phrase? How would Yoda word the phrase, see if we can do the podcast here? I don't know. <laughs> you know neither do I. But okay, let's see if we can do the podcast here without being hassled by the same fascist pig motherfucker. It's a little louder, but uh, I'm thinking it's a, it's quieter than any other part of here. So been, and then not as quiet as where I was, but maybe it's quieter than the other where I the other places I could go. Yeah. Yeah, but we're recording. I forgot to turn it off. <laughs> oh shit! There's a lot of dead space in there. Sorry, listeners. Sorry, you just had like 15 minutes of yawning while I was trying to relocate. So this this asshole hopefully won't fuck with me. <laughs> Yeah, fucking pig. What? Well, yes, man. I mean, it's just stupid. It's like, I'm sorry, you can't be in this specific area. You don't have a right to, to stand in a specific spot for more than, you know, for a certain amount of time. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's the price of being homeless. Getting told to leave places or else they'll call the cops. It's just stupid that everything's like it's legal for for Bert, you know it's legal for for for, for uh, you know it's like legal for for uh, Brent to beat the crap out of people in the last uh, in the last uh, uh, transitional house I was in, but to, it, it's illegal for me to do a podcast in a shopping center. I mean, I, the, the law does not make sense to me. You know, like the cops won't do anything if somebody's beating the crap out of four or five people in a house. Like nobody gets arrested. But if I'm doing a podcast, I'm not supposed to be able to do a podcast somewhere. Well, everybody covers for Brent. That's why he didn't go to jail. No, nobody covered for Brent. The only people that covered for Brent are cops. All the cops covered for Brent, and Bert covered for Brent. Those were the only people that covered for Brent. When I got into a fight with Brent, everybody was saying, oh, Aaron talks too much. Honestly, that should have been good enough for the fucking cops. It should have been good enough for the cops to do something about that shit. But, you know, eh, hopefully that place gets shut down and Brent won't have some. Well, I don't want it to get shut down because I'm really worried. Like, it doesn't look like I'm going to be able to find another place to live. So probably by November, I'm going to have to, I'm going to hope I can go back there. I mean, unless somehow you guys can help me find a place to live in, in damn Dayton. You know, that seems like the only hope I have at getting you know, a, a, a permanent place to live. You 
Yeah, I'm just waiting on my leg to heal up pretty much. You know, no, I can dig it. But I'm just like, I'm just thinking if, if I can't find a place, another place to live by November, I'm going to have to go back to that place. And I hope it doesn't get shut down. It's summer, and that means the mysterious return of glacier ice worms. Okay, Uh, let's see what this article's about. I mean, something about ice worms, but I still don't understand what's the deal about ice worms. Okay, let let me put this somewhere. Small black flecks suddenly appear on the previously blank expanse of white. The glacier's surface quickly transforms as more and more tiny black creatures emerge. The ice worms have returned, snaking in between ice crystals and shimmering in the sun. These thread-like worms, each only about an inch long, wiggle up in mass in the summertime, late in the afternoon, to do what scientists don't know. It's just one of the many mysteries about these worms. Uh It's just one of many mysteries about these worms which have barely been studied even though they're the most abundant critter living up there in the snow and ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's pretty much it. They're just like, oh, there are so many. Okay, so a lot of ice worms. Where's this, in Alaska, or where's this at? Uh, Glaciers of Mount Rainier. Okay, so that's, I think that's in Canada. Okay. Washington. Oh, Washington. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. Welcome back to the Kyle Chaos and Aaron Order Show. I'm your host, Aaron Order. Kyle Chaos. And we are diving into the news, which has been mostly informational and not so much fucking with us so far. Um, well, that's the professors were being fucked over. And most of the other stuff was maybe 
I'm not sure, just nature stuff. I don't think any, you know, I think the, the story about the professors being fired was the only thing about anybody being screwed over, I think, if I remember right. Unless there's some other story we, we covered that I forgot about. Nah. That was the most important story. Yeah. And the next story is she says she was fired for advising that teens don't need parental consent to get vaccines. Okay. Um... I mean, I don't know why, like, somebody would want to get the shot if their parents didn't want them. I mean, it's like, I really want to get a needle stuck in me really bad. You know, it's usually it's the parents that want you to get the needle stuck in you. It's not usually the opposite thing. Like, please let me get the needle stuck in me. Please, I want a doctor to hurt me. Come on. Like, who's going to be there? So, like, can you just let someone, like, hurt me? Yeah, it depends on how big the needle is, wink, wink. Well, you know. That's, you know, the, the, those parents that let Mr. McMaster uh, do something to their uh, daughters that were in gym uh, in the uh, Olympics or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amid Republican efforts to restrict voting rights, Biden gives a stark warning. Okay, what was the first part of the, the article? What about... Say that again? Say just the headline again, because it went by fast. Amid Republican efforts to restrict voting rights, Biden gives a stark warning. Okay, well, in this case, I think Biden is giving a, a good warning. <laughs> I think what, what Biden's saying in this case is uh, very for real. So, yeah, let's go into this article. Amid Republican efforts to enact new state-level election rules, President Biden on Tuesday gave a stark warning about the future of voting rights. This is a test of our time, Biden said in a long promise speech from Philadelphia. Okay, what else does the article say? The president spoke a day after Texas Democrat state lawmakers left their state in protest of GOP voting legislation and traveled to Washington, D.C., where they hoped to put pressure on Biden and Congress to take federal action on the topic. Mm-hmm. Biden portrayed the current fight over voting rights as one of the great moments of morality for the United States and said the issue would require support from across the aisle. Okay, Biden, I wish you'd really stop using these kind of terms. It isn't about morality. When you say it's about morality, this is just going to give, this is just going to make white people want to act like white supremacists and that, that's not the way to word it you know it's just it's like the way you want to word this is 
this is a way that is going against the selfish interests of poor people. If you word it that way, you know, people aren't, you know, the, the white dudes that are against you aren't going to be as much saying, you know, like wanting to be all racist. Like if you word it as these dudes are immoral people, you're just going to like make all the people that want to be racist just go, yeah, you're, you're targeting us and we want to really, and you're going to make them want to be more racist. The way to word it is this is a way of, uh, that, that these voting restrictions are going against the selfish interest of poor people. And really about, you know, it's going against the selfish interest of black people and Latinos. I mean, if you word it in that way, you're going to, it's just a better way to word it that isn't going to give the white supremacists a reason to want to be more racist. Because if you word it the other way, it'd go, oh, you people are immoral, then you're just going to make all these white supremacists, you know, like want to start Zeke Heiling and shit and want to go, we're being under attack, we're being under attack. You know, you don't want to word it, word it like they're being under attack. You want to word it like black people are being under attack, Latinos are being under attack. And uh, like, you know, poor people, whatever race you are, are being under attack with these voting restrictions. We'll be asking my Republican friends in Congress and states and cities and counties to stand up for God's sake and help prevent this concerted effort to undermine our election and sacred right to vote, Biden said, referencing Republican efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election. Yeah, that's a better way to word it. Don't look, don't word it like you dudes are being immoral because that's just going to make everybody like go or, or that's just going to make everybody that's going to make all these other people that are into doing that more like uh, uh, on the defensive like the last way they Biden worded it made more sense yeah but come on the Republicans aren't going to go against their own party over shit like that so he's barking up the wrong tree in my opinion yeah, I know, but if he words it like this, the way he did in that second sentence, more in the way that he did it in, this, in the first sentence, he's not sounding quite as self-righteous. It's like for, for Biden to say he's on the side of morality, I, I mean, I don't, just anytime anybody says, well, I'm on the side of morality, and if you're against me, you're immoral, that, all, that just reeks of self-righteousness to me, you know? <laughs> Have you no shame, he asked his GOP counterparts. There you go again. Have you no shame? Like, this just reeks of self-righteousness, this wanting people to feel shame. When you start telling people you should feel ashamed, you're going to turn a lot of people off. You know, you want to say the words like what's going on in a way that isn't going to turn people off and isn't going to be a let's do public shaming. 
like this whole public shaming let's publicly humiliate people way of, of trying to to put together a political argument just sounds really self-righteous and really lame Biden warned that Republican-led efforts across the country to restrict voting access threatened democracy, but he largely sidestepped the many challenges in Congress to pass the voting rights legislation that's prioritized by Democrats. Okay, so, okay, and again, this time he used the good argument. What was that last, the last statement he gave was, was a good way to, to phrase the argument. What was, what was the last statement he said? That it was uh, uh, against democracy, or what was that? What was that statement that Biden said? Threatened democracy. Okay, and it, that's a good way to word it. The voting rights restrictions are threatening democracy. That's a good way to word it. And then uh, what was the next thing he said? Uh, but he, said he, right he largely sidestepped the many challenges in Congress to pass the voting rights legislation that prioritized that's prioritized by Democrats. Okay, now this is where Biden's kind of being lame because, okay, now his own party... The Democrats or certain people in the Democratic Party are doing things to try and not let this Voting Rights Act be implemented. And that has to be talked about, about how the Democrats themselves are doing things to, to stop poor people from voting or to go along with the people that are stopping poor people from voting and going along with the people that are, stop, that are trying to stop black people and Latino people from voting in these... Uh, states that are pretty much run by Republicans. In a press conference in front of the U.S. Capitol ahead of Biden's speech, the Texas Democrats put the ball squarely in Washington's court. Mm-hmm. We are living right now on borrowed time in Texas, and we can't stay here indefinitely. State Texas Representative Retta Bowers acknowledged outside the Capitol. We need Congress mm-hmm. to act now. Mm-hmm. They left Texas under the close scrutiny of the nation, including the state's Republican governor, Greg Abbott. Abbott has threatened to arrest the lawmakers upon their return to Texas and compel them to participate in the current special session. Can you... Latino people from getting the right to vote or keeping the right to vote.
The vote was set in part to take up the voting bills and ends August 7th. Abbott vowed to call special session after special session to force lawmakers eventually to take up the measures. Okay, well, again, Greg Abbott's being a dick. I think the Democrats are fighting an unwinnable battle at this point. I don't know. I think it's a battle worth fighting. Anything that helps, that you know, is trying to stop the Republicans from taking away poor people's right to vote and from taking away black and Latinos' right to vote is a battle worth fighting, whether it's a losing battle or not. Just like my battle to try and get better housing than shared housing is a battle worth fighting for, whether I can win that battle or not. Texas Democrats' decision to break a quorum of the Texas legislature and abandon the Texas state capitol inflicts harm on the very Texans who elected them to serve, a statement from Abbott said. As they fly across the country on cushy private planes, they leave undone issues that can help their districts and our state. Yeah, but it's like when you're accusing them of, oh, you're flying cushy private planes. It's like, what, you guys are trying to fight for your cushy white people being the only people that can vote because you're, oh, we're willing to jump, you know, make everybody jump through hoops to be able to vote. Isn't that kind of trying to hold on to your cushy white position? You know, I'm sorry, I mean, Greg Abbott, you want to arrest people for trying to give people the right to vote. That's really lame. That's really dickish. It's like you tried to flee the, the state when we were in the middle of the session, so we're going to have you arrested because you tried to stop us from discriminating against people's right to vote. That's really lame. That's really dickish. Amid a mega drought, a water shortage will be declared along the Colorado River. Yeah, no, we're we're in really bad states here. I'm, this 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 is something to. We're in really bad states in California, or bad straits in California. So yeah, let's go into this article. When it comes to this drought. The Colorado River is tapped out. Another dry year has left the watershed that supplies 40 million people in the southwest parched. A prolonged 21-year warming and drying trend is pushing the nation's two largest reservoirs to record lows. 
for the first time a shortage is expected to be declared by the federal government this summer. The 1,450-mile-long waterway acts as a drinking water supply, a hydroelectric power generator, and an irrigator of desert crop fields across seven western U.S. states and two in Mexico. Scientists are increasingly certain that the only way forward is to rein in demands on the river's water. With the river's infrastructure able to cushion against some of the immediate effects, what manifests is a slow-moving crisis. Water managers, farmers, and city leaders clearly see the coming challenges, but haven't yet been forced to drastically change their issues, well, uses. Okay, well, maybe they need to at this point because, I mean, we're, we're in a bad position. You know, like people need water to drink. People need water to take a shower with. I, I mean, I'm not sure how it's going to be done or how it needs to be done. I mean, maybe the farmers shouldn't be able to get as much, uh, the big agribusinesses shouldn't be able to get as much of, of the, uh, I mean, they're, they're giving them more, the, the big agribusinesses, more rights to water than everybody else. Uh, I think it's more of choosing between starving and dying of dehydration. Okay, but I mean, I think we don't have as much to worry about dying of dehi- uh, of starving as we do of dying from dehydration in certain areas. I mean, there, there's enough farmland to go around. There isn't enough. I mean, especially with these these big farmers that have, that own most of the land. I mean, we're not talking about small businesses here. These are rich, rich businesses that are pretty much, pretty much mostly exploiting like Latino people to do their work for them. And, you know, they're, they're like raking in the big bucks and these dudes that are doing work for them are struggling to survive. You know, it isn't, I think that the, the bigger, the bigger concern is whether we're going to be dehydrated and whether water is going to become so expensive and whether the bottled water market is going to be become a really expensive uh, thing. Yeah, they're going to have to go with the bottled water, you know. Well, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what the, de- you know, like, this is something we really need to go into. So let's see what else the article says. Extremely dry conditions like the region is experiencing in 2021 make clear that the Colorado River is unable to meet all the demands communities in the western U.S. have placed on it. And it's up to its biggest users to decide who has to rely on it less. Okay. I'd say it would be the agribusinesses that can... can They have the money to be able to take the sacrifice. But okay, what what does the article say? Lake Powell to hit historic low. 
about 250 miles downstream from the Pollard's property. The Colorado River becomes a massive reservoir. Lake Powell. Mm-hmm. The reservoir fills Glen Canyon, a maze of red rock. 